0: So, 1 Peter is a letter in the New Testament that we've been reading through and finding some insight from one of the the disciples who spent so much time with, with Jesus, and he's helping give us a picture of how we live life in a world that isn't necessarily following Jesus, but we... Are committed to following Jesus. How do, how, do, how do faith and life come together in the world in which we live? Does that make sense? And one of the things that he talks about throughout this letter is the early Christians uh, were under in, intense persecution. They were being put to death for their faith in Jesus. And Peter was encouraging them even when you have trials and tribulations, it does not mean God is not with you. In fact, those things can strengthen your faith and give you roots deep in God's love. And you come out on the other side in a better place. And uh, so we've been reading through the letter, walking through some different pieces of how this kind of letter can shape us as Christians. Week one, we uh, kind of focused in on this passage. Through Christ, we have come to trust in God. So this is something that makes us different in the world, is that we don't just trust what we can see and what we can understand, that that our faith is rooted in something beyond what we know in the here and now. And we've placed our, our, our faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead. So our faith is based in what took place when Jesus was crucified and then resurrected. That is at the center of our faith. And it is essential for us to I mean, we can't fully comprehend that, but it, it's essential for us to understand that our, our faith isn't in just what we can understand and touch and feel and see and figure out in the here and now, but our faith is based in the one who died and was resurrected on our behalf. That's where our faith is grounded. And then the second week, this is something that makes us as Christians different, or it should, that, that we're instructed both by Jesus and Peter comes back to this, love each other deeply with all your heart. And we talked about this idea that how can we love each other if we don't know each other? How can we love each other with our entire heart if we aren't connected to one another in relationship? And in our world, uh, in our scattered world, relationships tend to be pretty shallow, we, we just don't tend to get very deep with people, um, and we see people more in terms of what they can do for us than in terms of being committed over the long term for the good of one another and to build a different kind of community. And this is what Peter is instructing the early church to do. Love each other deeply with all your heart. Be engaged and committed to one another with all that you are. And then out of that, he comes to this, and we talked about this last last week, that, that as a result of what we've found in Christ, as a result of this community, we can show others the goodness of God. Like our role isn't to walk around the world with our arms crossed pointing out everything that's wrong in the world in which we see, but rather our Our role as Christians is to bring out the goodness in the world that God has already placed here. And that's good news. It's good news because you and I aren't responsible for pointing out what's wrong with everyone else. Aren't you glad that you don't have to be the bearer of bad news? In fact, you get to be the bearer, I get to be the bearer of good news, the best news in the world, and here it is. No matter who you are and where you've been and what you've been up to, God loves you and accepts you, not on the basis of your behavior, but all on the basis of the death and resurrection of Jesus. And that is the good news of the gospel. Amen. There we go. You're here. I'm so glad. So that's, that's what Peter's been talking about. And he's been encouraging us all along the way. And it's good news, even in the trials and the difficulties that we all face. And listen, all of us have them. Every single one of us. We'll walk through trials and tribulations. Some of us today, we, we talk about, um, from time to time I hear it, we talk about persecution. Our persecution is nothing like uh, what Peter's talking about in the first century. Let's just be really clear about that. And I know we like to say, oh, we're being persecuted. Listen, we have so much freedom in our world. We have so much freedom. We're not being persecuted like what Peter's talking about. We're not being put to death for our faith. But... Even in all of that, we can, we can root ourselves in faith. We can build a community based on love, and we can be the bearers of good news in this world, and we can bring out the goodness of God. That's, that's what it means to be the church. And um, I, I gave you a statement last week from Craig Rochelle, who's a pastor in, um, in Oklahoma City, and it really resonated. I got some comments from this, and I want to come back to it, and then that's going to be our launching point for today. Um, He says this, and it's so important for us to know this, that we are not spiritual consumers. And we live in this world, and it's a world of consumption, so it's just natural for us to believe we are spiritual consumers and that the church is here to meet our needs, that God is here to provide what we want or what we need, and that's it, that we're just consumers, consume, 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 consume. And I love this about Life Church and what Craig has built is that, listen, we are not spiritual consumers. We are spiritual contributors. We are here to contribute based on what God has done in us and what he is doing in us through the Spirit. We are are contributors. The church does not exist for us. We are the church, and we exist for the good of the world. That's our role. Now listen, I know this steps on toes because I know sometimes we we come in and we're like, I don't like that song. I don't like the shirt Matt was wearing. Blue doesn't look good on him. We shouldn't do this. We shouldn't do that. That's a consumeristic mindset that this all exists and and we're just peddling some sort of of good, spiritual good. That's not what the church is. We gather on Sundays in order to be filled and inspired by the Holy Spirit so that we can carry his good into the world we go into every day of the week. Church is not one hour on Sunday morning. And some of you are really bummed when I say that. You're like, do I not get credit? I came. I'm here. Do I get credit? Do I get a star? The check mark? You know, whatever it is. Can I get perfect attendance? Whatever. (laughs) The church is the community of followers of Jesus, not just this church. The the Big C Church is a community of followers of Jesus who are committed to being transformed because none of us are perfect, none of us have arrived, being transformed by the Holy Spirit and then being bearers of good in the world around us. And so often, Christians are known for being this, Listen, one of the things that Jesus was um, most angry about with the religious people in his day, he said this, he said, you've been given the keys of the kingdom and you yourselves don't even enter into the kingdom. You've got the keys, you don't even go in. What's worse is you close the door and keep others out who are honestly seeking to know God. And so often we as Christians, and I'm not saying, I'm not pointing my finger at anybody else because I'm a part of it too. So often as Christians, We keep people out who are honestly wanting to just simply join into God's family, and that is not our role. We're a good news society, community, people, and that's what we're to be about. Okay, are you with me still? All right, so that's not even the sermon. I haven't even started yet. I'm sorry. So if if we, I told you I just wanted that to be the jumping off point, so stay with me. It's not going to be super long today. If we are not consumers then our mindsets have to be transformed. We have to shift our minds to think differently about the good that we do experience in the world. And here's one of the challenges, is when we receive, as consumers, we begin to think that we deserve or we purchase the good that we receive or the goods that we received. Are you with me? Does that make sense? Like in a consumer mindset, I'm paying for something, therefore I'm receiving something, or I deserve something because I live in this place. Does that make sense? So when we experience good, every good thing, in other words, every good thing in our lives that we aren't grateful for has the potential to create in us pride and arrogance and entitlement. Now this is a shift of mindset. When we're consumers, we deserve what we get because we've paid for it. And even in the religious mindset, if I do enough good, if I show up in the right places, church on Sunday morning at nine o'clock, if I show up, then I deserve something. And so when I go to Costco tomorrow, I should get a front row parking spot. And if I do, Hashtag blessed. God is with me. It's because I went to church yesterday. That's our, so that's, that's just our human mindset is that there's an exchange of goods to be had. And when I do the right things, I should get good in my life. And what Peter is saying is you're gonna run into some really challenging times in your life. And it's not because God doesn't love you and it's not because you haven't done the right thing and we can't view life as we're just consumers. So when we receive good, if we don't turn that into gratefulness, God, I'm so grateful for this, then all of a sudden we begin to think we've deserved something, we're entitled to it, and we become people of pride. Now, whether or not you believe in Jesus, whether or not you believe in God, the Proverbs really help us from time to time. Here's a proverb uh, that talks about pride. First pride, then the crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. And we know this to be true, don't we? That when we puff ourselves up with pride, it's usually in those moments of great pride that we're knocked down the hardest. Uh, This is just something that, that we know to be true, that those who are most prideful put themselves in a place where they can be knocked down the hardest. In James, uh, the brother of Jesus, says this: God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. And He's setting up for us this um, this tension between uh, pride and humility. And and that's where we're going. Is we're near the end of Peter's letter. He, he talks about humility, and we have this this tension that all of us face about what kind of pride we're going to have, the, the character that's formed in us. We're going to be either prideful people who are all about ourselves or we're going to learn to be more humble and see others as better than ourselves, that, that I'm here not just to consume, but I'm here to serve. And that's a difficult place to go when you, when you see those tensions, especially when other people build you up, especially when you've been, okay, let's talk in our in our world, especially when you've been very successful in business, and I know there's a lot of you in the room. When you've been successful in business and other people have gotten really good at telling you how awesome you are, how good you are, how smart you are, how pretty you are, like it's easy to to begin to believe those things at a deep level that you all Without even thinking about, it, all of a sudden you begin to like see yourself elevated above other people, and um, th- this is this is anti Jesus. This is what makes us different: is that we don't just believe what people build us up to say, or we don't even believe like our own accolades. We begin to see ourselves as here to serve others. That even though we might have achieved a great deal, that that God has gifted us and positioned us in order to serve and lift others up. Listen, you might have worked really hard and built an incredible business. You you might have had a great life in your vocation, but I want you to know God wants that to be a platform for you to bring about good in the world, not for you to be put on a pedestal. That's not the purpose of the good that God has brought into your life. Uh, an old book on humility, Uh, Andrew Murray, he says this, humility is the only soil in which the graces can really root. The the graces of God can can take hold and and go deep within humility. The lack of humility is the sufficient explanation of every defect and failure in our lives. In other words, he's saying that pride, um, if you think about it, Pride is at the heart of every failure and defect that we have in our lives. We just think too highly of ourselves. That's, that, that's what leads us to brokenness and pain. So this, this idea of pride and humility. Many writers um, speak of this as being the greatest battle in our character, beneath the surface of our lives. The battle between pride and humility is the thing that is waging war against our souls. Um, Yeah, I've told you this before. I'll tell you a quick quick story. This isn't even in my notes. You came to the first service. Um, Coming out of of high school, I was recruited by a few schools. Um, I was not a very good football player, but I was recruited to play in a few places. And I was visiting... um, I I was visiting a school in Alabama, the best school in the country, (laughs) Auburn university. And, um, I was, I was pretty full of myself and i I felt like I, I had a good year. My junior year, I had some great stats and I remember going to Auburn, And um, the way they they pair you with other um, recruits and you spend the day, some of the cheerleaders show you around and then um, you have lunch and then you get to stand on the field right before the game and um, this is the war, I mean, come on, this is the war of character. We begin to believe we deserve all of these things and so I remember being at lunch and um, I, was talking to be, I was paired with another um, high school athlete from Georgia, and I was talking to him, telling him how good I was. <laughs> it's easy to tell someone how good you are when they, they're not seeing you play, you know what I mean? Like, legend in my mind. And so I'm telling him, you know, all these accolades, and, um, you know, I deserve to be here, I'm excited to play at the next level, blah, 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 full of myself, First pride, and then the crash. Exactly. So you remember that last passage. So then um, I'll just—he—he he shared with me his name. He's—he's he's like, I'm—I'm oh, I'm from Georgia. Yeah, I'm—you I'm, know—I'm excited maybe to play at the next level. My name is Heinz Ward. <laughs> now, at the time he was in high school, many of you have no idea who Heinz Ward is. Heinz Ward is one of the best wide receivers to ever play not just high school, not just college, but on the professional level in the NFL. I was sitting with Heinz Ward telling him how good I was. (laughs) First pride, then the fall. This is how, stay with me, this is how our character is formed. Our character is formed by how we view ourselves and others in this world in which we live. And it's, it's exactly what Peter's talking about. And so here's what he says. So let's just go to this part of, of, of the book. It's chapter five. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, God will lift you up. Listen, you don't need to brag. I, I didn't need to brag. I wasn't good enough to brag, number one. But what Peter is suggesting is when you you choose to humble yourself, you will not be humbled by anyone else. And I thought, what what a tension. Either we can choose to humble ourselves or we can be humbled by someone else. Now listen, um, I don't know if you know this, but all of us are getting older, and one day, we will, we will be humbled by someone younger than us. And, and, and Peter's just suggesting that we, are, he's instructing, not suggesting, he, he's, he's instructing us to humble ourselves, to choose humility in the world in which we live. To choose to lower ourselves and to lower our, the way we think about ourselves, to see ourselves in the right light. And and I think his next line is one of the ways we can do that. And here's what he says. The very next line is, so give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. One of our challenges is being honest about what we need or what we're feeling. In one translation, this says, cast all your anxiety. Anxiety is something we're well accustomed to in our world today. Cast all your anxiety on God because he cares for you. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to see a counselor. Have you ever been to see a counselor, some of you? I think it's good every now and then, um, potentially to see a counselor. One of the things that a counselor does is listens to you. You can cast your thoughts, your worries upon them, and in a sense, they shoulder the weight of those because just getting it out is so helpful, isn't it? Um, My wife was talking to a friend this week, and they're walking through some challenges, and um, she shared some things, and she said, ah, oh, it's just so helpful to talk to someone who understands. It's just so helpful to, to say what's deep within me that, that is, and it, sometimes we believe that we're showing weakness by being honest, but we're not. That's, that's humility at work to form our character. Give all your worries and cares to God. Be honest about what's going on in your soul. He already knows, God already knows. Just giving that to him, speaking it to him can sometimes reset you. And then he says this, so, and, and stay alert. Like before you you feel so good about yourself that you're just going around like nothing can bring you down. He says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him. Be strong in your faith because you're not alone. Other people are going through the same thing that you are and God is with you. One of the ways that we practice and cultivate humility is, is to stay aware and awake and watch for the things in our, in our life that tend to bring us down. Let me give you an example. Um, many, uh, men and women alike, but many men really struggle with pornography in their life. And pornography has the, the power to, to make us, uh, to, to bring about a lot of shame in our lives, and, and we, we wanna hide. We don't wanna be honest about the struggles that we have. That, at its core, is the, the enemy, and I, I know a lot of times we don't like the language of the devil that kind of is like, I don't know if I believe in, like, a, like there's a devil like crawling around. like. A lion. But if you struggle with something in your life, you know, alcoholics know this, that, that there's something that has the power to overtake them which causes shame, which makes us hide, And when we hide, we actually become, um, we make ourselves more available to the very temptation that we know hurts us the most. Are are you with me? Does that make sense? And so one of the ways we can remain humble is that we stay awake and aware and we stand firm in the faith. We're honest with God and honestly, we, we need to have someone next to us as well that we can be honest with, a small group, an accountability partner, you know, some of those Places that we can really, really be honest. There, and hear me on this. Um, whether or not you know it, no matter how successful you've been in your life and how far you've made it, there is an enemy that wants to destroy you. And he wants to wipe out all the good things in your life. Just know that. And if you're not careful, it can take the legs right out from under you without you even realizing it's coming. That's, that's what Peter is saying. Um, Peter Scazzaro, uh, right, he, he's written a, a, a lot on emotional, uh, emotionally healthy spirituality and digging into some of the emotions and the things that are going on underneath the surface rather than just working on all these outer things like um, disciplines that we, we like to practice. And one of the things that he says is, um, while the world practices this this power over strategy characterized by dominance and a win lose competitiveness, Jesus comes along and and he he pushes this idea and he he personifies the idea of a power under strategy that is built on humility and self sacrifice on serving others that like this This is the life of Jesus. And if you want to follow Jesus, the way to follow Jesus is not climbing a ladder so that you might have power over people, but rather we take the opportunities that present themselves. And maybe that's climbing a ladder, but we don't climb a ladder in order to have power over people, but we climb a ladder and see the platform that we've been given as an opportunity to serve and lift other people up. And this is one of the things the best businesses in our world do, and it's what Christians should be doing. It's what should mark us as different as followers of Jesus. Um, okay, a couple things and, and we'll be done. Um, humility. There, there's a book um, by Brooks, I think is his last name. I've got his, David Brooks, yeah, who's... Uh, who's walked through um, some transformation and, and, and really some deep work on his soul. He's a journalist. And he says, humility isn't thinking lowly of ourselves. So in other words, it's not, humility isn't about just thinking we're nothing. But rather, humility is thinking accurately about ourselves, being honest about who we really are. And then he says something that um, could really be depressing if you're not careful. He says, humility is awareness that you're an underdog in the struggle against your own weakness. Come on, that's funny (laughs) and depressing, but true. Humility is about awareness that, that there are certain things in my life that I have no power within myself to overcome. Aren't, aren't you glad you came to church today to be encouraged in this? There are certain things in your life, and listen, there are certain things in my life that I just do not have the power in and of myself to overcome. And humility is being aware of that and honest about that, both with God and some close people in my life. Humility is an awareness that, that my individual talents alone are inadequate. <laughs> How depressing. Like, I'm just going to go cry. And... But here's the deal. It's not depressing. It's actually encouraging. It should be encouraging to us that it doesn't all rest on our shoulders. And God wants us to know that this is the role of the Holy Spirit is to fill the gaps that all of us have. Like God His love for you, his care for you is so great that the inadequacy in your life can be filled. It's why Paul said, it's when I'm weak that I'm strong, when I'm honest about my weakness, that God's power and his spirit can be built up to cover over my weaknesses. And I can only say, it's only God. Only God. Like, It's not thinking that we're nothing. It's just being honest about the true state of our humanity. Psalm 131, David. um, I I, want to give you a couple different versions of it. Um, I just I like some of the language uh, where where David is saying my heart's not proud, my eyes aren't um, looking, continuing looking at what's bigger and better. I don't concern myself with matters that are too great or too awesome for me to gra- grasp. Instead, I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. This is like my soul within me. Oh, Israel, put your hope in God. It's, it's this psalm, three verses, which is all about humility. And what's, what's interesting, if you read this psalm, if you, if you kind of dig into it, I've calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child. A weaned child still needs a parent. They just don't cry like a baby anymore when they don't get what they want or what they need. They can quiet themselves, but they still are aware that they need something greater than themselves. Oh, Israel, put your hope in the Lord now and always. I I put the message uh, paraphrase in here. There's, there's, There's two lines that I love here. I've kept my feet on the ground and I've cultivated a quiet heart. I love that. I've kept my feet on the ground, and I've cultivated a quiet heart. I've worked to, to cultivate some stillness within me so I could be aware of who I am and who God is, and I could realize I am not him. I am not God. So humility is an interesting thing. You know, once you tell other people that you're humble, <laughs> are you? <laughs> like I had that incident with Heinz Ward and now I'm humble. <laughs> humility is just an interesting thing because it's difficult to talk about. And I, I say this about different pieces of life and struggles with life that humility is in, in, in certain ways like forgiveness in that um, humility is like a garden that you have to tend to because pride just rears its ugly head in all of our lives. There's just these moments where we just all of a sudden think that we're all that. And so humility is this, this tending of a garden. And so there are three pieces of Peter that are so interesting. We get to the, this piece on humility and 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 I think it just points back to everything that Peter has said to this point. So how do, we, how do we cultivate the garden of humility in our lives? Here's three things that we've been talking about the last three weeks. The way that we cultivate and nurture humility is we root ourselves in faith. Like we make sure that our roots are going deep into, into God and just a couple ways to do that. I think YouVersion, um the Bible app on your phone, is just a great way to every morning read one passage of Scripture and there's a prayer that you can pray. If you don't know how to pray, I think Version does a great job of helping you practice prayer to where you can get into the mindset and grow in how you pray on your own. I mean, Version, it's super simple. Like every morning, Like if it's just one of the top things on your phone, you just click it. And like this morning, um, who is that? Um, I forget her name. Jenny Allen. That's who it is. Jenny Allen is sharing the passage of the day, and she gives you a couple little thoughts about it. And then after she shares a little bit about it, there's a prayer based on that scripture that you you can pray. And I think it's just one of the great ways to root yourself every day and remind yourself that you need God in your life. You just can't do it on your own. So, use Uversion. It's such. It's free. It's on your phone. I know. I know you. You look at your phone every morning. All of you. You look at your phone every morning at some point. Open Uversion and root yourself. And what's interesting is, then we talked about community and how Peter is saying that community is so important to being a follower of Jesus. Like being in relationship, knowing one another, and the last two weeks we've been pushing these groups, and Cameron and his team will be out there again today um, under the big blue banner. If you want to find a group to get into, we kicked off uh, reengage, which is a marriage group this last week, but it's not too late. You could still get in today if you want to be a part of a marriage group, reengage is a long commitment, but it's so good in terms of trying to rebuild some of those bonds between you and your spouse and also um, in, in your faith. So get into some community. And then this third thing, nurturing humility, the more you serve other people, the more you're, you, you, um, you change your mindset from seeing people as there to serve you. It just, it just flips the script that we're taught to live by in our world. So we commit to serve others, see and respond to needs. One of the things in the in the announcement video that that Ryan and Sierra shared this morning was that we have a need for like ten volunteers in Mountain Kids. We're we're like we're just getting through, filling some gaps, but we need like ten volunteers to serve um, one hour twice a month. I mean, it's really not that much time, but serving puts you in a place where you don't see yourself just as a consumer who's just. I'm just here to consume, 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 serving. And there's so many opportunities in this church and through the ministries of this church to serve. So anyway, you get it. Humility, cultivating humility. Um, Would you stand with me? And we're gonna sing this one last song that basically declares our dependence on God, like I I need you, God. And as a response, maybe you wanna light a candle just to say, God, I, I need you in my life. So I wanna light this candle Asking you to be in my life. Maybe it's through communion, being reminded of God's sacrifice through Christ. You can take communion on your own. The bread that represents his body broken, the juice which represents his blood poured out. Maybe you want to write a prayer request on the back wall and just leave it there as a a way of just giving something over to God. But we want to just give you space to respond. God, in this moment, in this space, I just pray that we would be honest, that we would be aware of our need, that none of us in and of ourselves have the power to overcome our weaknesses. None of us, um, none of us have in and of ourselves everything that we need. God, we need you in our lives. We, we need your spirit in our hearts and in our minds. So we declare that today, God, through song, that we need you. And I pray that your spirit would be with us. In Jesus' name, amen.